You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to the Just Ask Your Mom podcast, where today we're going to talk about talking to your kids about race. Exactly. And we're doing this, um, airing it today, because today, as you know, is the start of Black History Month, um, February. So we thought it would be an excellent time to do that. Um, so we have with us a special guest, too, actually. One you've heard from before, Abby Rosser, um, and a new guest who is a friend of a friend, so a stranger to Renee and yeah. me, but hopefully a friend by the time we end. Mm -hmm. And her name is Ashley Golden. And Ashley is an engineer, electrical engineer, uh, with two children, um, eight and four, am I right? Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, eight and four, and then Abby has four children. Mm -hmm. You tell me their ages, because I'm yeah, not sure. <laughs> I've got twin daughters that are 18, and then a son that's 15, and then another son that just turned 10. Right, okay, so Abby's 10-year-old. Is Ezra is yes he's African born mm -hmm. that's right um, from the Democratic Republic of Congo right? that's right and Ashley is African American here and both of your children are as well yep yep okay so so yeah so we um we know that just not talking about race at all with your children is not a tenable solution and yet uh, Bonnie and I wanted to hear from moms who uh, experience it from the from the opposite side of us. So we have both have white children. Mm -hmm. And when uh, we moved to Indianapolis, when our daughter was um, eight years old, and her best friend became the girl across the street, and she was African-American. And really, coming from the South, we, we didn't have very many black friends. And so um, we didn't really talk to her about it. They just became friends, and that it was what it was. But I think we could have um, navigated that better and so we want as we said in our intro we've lived life we've made mistakes yep. and learned lessons so we want you all to do better um, who are listening so I guess the first um, question we want to ask is if you could talk to my the Renee in the early 2000s what would you tell her to talk to her kids about what would you what would you want me to know um, I think the biggest thing um, for people <laughs> um, it's, I think it's easy to say, you know, like, I don't see color, I don't see race, and we just, you know, raise our kids to love, which is a good first step, right? But recognizing um, the culture of people um, is part of seeing them as a whole, right? So, um, you know, my kids, so my mother remarried, um, my parents got divorced, and so my mother's new husband is a white man. Um, and so for my kids, they're still relatively young. And so t in some ways, he's just da Doug, right? That's what they call him. His name is Doug, but they call him da Doug because <laughs> my daughter couldn't get out Doug. So it was da Doug. Um, and they just love him. I mean, he's granddaddy to them. Like they don't think anything of it. But um, being able to see him and his four grown children as the white, I think they're Irish background, um, that they are is part of seeing them and loving them fully, right? Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Just seeing them is part of seeing their culture is part of seeing them. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me about that. Tell me, tell me about black culture. What's it like to be a black mom raising black children in America? That's mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So, After like, twenty one, like I'm. I'm literally like afraid of every question I'm asking. Like, are we going to have to edit this? Are we going to have to edit this? Because it's such a, it's such a touchy subject. I don't even know exactly what to ask. Why? I, yeah. I'm curious about that. What makes you uncomfortable? Because I don't want to offend or hurt, say something that's hurtful. You know, as a Christian, you know, I've, I do see everyone as um, made in the image of God, but we're not all same, the same. So we're male and female. Mm -hmm. We're different races. And you're right. Like some, of course I want people to see me as a female. Just to see me as a human is not the complete picture of me. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's part of the reason. Is like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want to um, be the boorish person yeah. who doesn't 
doesn't even know the landmines mm-hmm. that are out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's why I'm saying like, so what is what is black culture? Mm-hmm. What do you want? To, yeah, what, what is do you it? want? Like what is like yeah to the uninitiated. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> you said this is a ten part series. Yeah, yeah ten part series. You got one minute. Ready? Go. Um, I would say it is. It is full, right? So, so there's um, a music that came from, um, especially African American culture is different than say African culture, right? Is um, because of the history of how most, not all, right, most African-Americans got to this country, there's a whole other genre of life that comes from that. Um, And so there's, you know, certain types of music, right? Like, especially um, the gospel end of it, right? The yearning for um, freedom during slavery, Mm -hmm. the yearning for equality, um, not just in the 50s, 60s, but, you know, also today, right? Like, there's um, a lot of, of that kind of thing. There's a rebellion in some of it. Um, I know one of the things that there's um, a good friend of mine whose son is actually my son's best friend. Um, one of the things that we're struggling through raising boys specifically, we both have a son and a daughter, um, but especially our sons is wanting them to feel enough pride, right? To kind of hold your head high, um, but at the same time recognize how other people are going to see you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of black culture kind of comes in that space of um, be proud of who God made you, Mm -hmm. the time and place that he put you, Mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, recognize how people see you because that changes how you interact with people. That changes how you act in a room, right? How you enter the room. Mm -hmm. Um, But And it's important, especially raising them to be God-fearing men, right? Evangelism is is in our DNA. It's who we are. And so even as a black man, knowing that you're walking in and people think a certain thing about you, um, you're still called to love. You're still called to serve. You're still called um, to show them Jesus at every single point, right? Um, And so I think a lot of the culture comes from kind of all of that. Excuse me. All of that at the same time. so yeah, it's big, <laughs> um, long-lasting, multifaceted. Um, uh, I think the biggest thing is it's not uniform, right? Like there's not just you know like a one thing, and that is black culture. Like there's just so many different avenues. I think that's an easy thing to do. Is to what it's so big, like you said, mm-hmm. and so much that you don't know. It's easy to just put that stamp on it mm-hmm. and kind of like put that in the corner. Okay, mm-hmm. well that's black culture. Well, this is how Latinos are, and mm-hmm. this is how that's where stereotypes come from. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think conversations, honest conversations, open conversations, and education mm-hmm. <laughs> like reading stuff, listening to people. Um, I know for I grew up, um, I had family from the north and family from the south, and they all kind of came together. And my grandparents, which was probably, I don't know. I guess their childhood was almost a hundred years ago, which seems blows my mind. (laughs) Um, Like they spoke ugly. They said the ugly things. They came from the ugly time that they were in. And I grew up as a really small child hearing that. Mm. My parents were not that they, they reacted against that because my dad was military. We lived all over. We Mm. saw and traveled and met, you know, and knew people from all over and they had stayed in their little neck of their woods. So my parents reacted against that. So I heard one thing, they reacted against it. And I came out of that. Um, I would, I hope very anti-racist talking to my kids. Like we don't, that we don't do that. Mm -hmm. People are, you know, everybody's equal. Everybody's the same. Um, so the same how though, because we just said they're not the same. Well, right. Right. So uh, this past year, I'm learning, okay, I've got, I've still got biases. I've still, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you're still listening and you're still Mm -hmm. learning. Um, But the thing that I didn't do, I thought was super interesting. I just read this um, study. I think it came out of University of Texas like 15 years ago or something. um, That white white parents tend to not say anything. Mm -hmm. They just tend to be quiet. And I think even one generation away, 
um, they would say things, you know, you whisper the word black. Well, they're black, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it's, mm-hmm. you know, cancer or sex. You can't say the word <laughs> even, you know? And um, it just seems ridiculous to me, but it, it was a thing that you just didn't talk about because it came from ugliness, I think. It came from a, a, the civil rights and all the stuff you saw on TV, so you didn't talk about it, um, which was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. The study in Texas found that not talking about it actually is the same destructiveness Mm -hmm. if you just say jesus loves us all everybody's equal everybody's the same it's the same as Mm -hmm. the kids are organizing in their mind anyway developmentally they're they're this is like me this is not like me Mm -hmm. and so parents don't say anything about it that must be a bad thing and they're assuming your parents we don't like black people yeah well it's like you know we i think most of us will say you've got to talk to your kids about sex yes sex And we say that, yeah, and we say because if you don't, they'll hear it on the playground and they'll, what the the answer that they'll form from their fifth grade friends or however old they are will be completely not what you want to teach them. So that applies to race too. Like, do you want the kids on the playground to tell them the way God looks at people or do you want to be like you scripture and tell, yeah, exactly. You know, don't, don't assume that they're going to get the right answer, even from school. I mean. Yeah. You hope, you know, you hope that the teachers are, that they're going to teach it in the right way. But even that, you know, you've got to always be checking and checking and checking. And um, I mean, I've learned so much, obviously, having a son who is a different race than me, I've learned so much. But it, it's it's really emboldened me to think, okay, from if you are the dominant culture where you live, and, you know, especially if most of the people who look like you are the people in power, then you have an extra responsibility, more so than the, than the people that you're trying to protect. Like, you are in a place of power, so you need to speak up. So you teach your kids, like, like that general idea. Like, you teach them specifics about race. You read them books, and you, tell, you talk to them about Dr. King. You, you tell them all these amazing stories in which we're... You're going to share some books that you can talk to even young kids about these awesome stories of especially black Americans that we, I mean, we've got plenty of stories. Like I've read so many stories. I'm like, how did I not learn this in school? Ashley and I have talked about this a lot about how the stuff we learn in school in the textbooks is not correct. You know, it's, it's just wrong. But, um, so you tell them specific things and and then you also tell them like in a broad way. So you teach them about empathy and you teach them. You know, but that's still the first step because then you want them to be so fired up about empathy that then they're going to act and they're going to stand and, up yeah. for their friends on the playground or for their, mm-hmm. you know, right. whoever ends up becoming in their sphere who doesn't look like them. Right. And then you can apply that to other things like kids who have special needs, kids mm-hmm. who are, you know, who can't speak English. You know, you just want them to feel so empowered that they can protect other people. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I just think that's one of the most important things we can tell our kids. I think a lot of it is um, one of the things that I learned actually as soon as we got married. <laughs> um, my husband and I had gone through financial peace and, you know, we thought we got this thing all, you know, laid out. Like we we paid cash for our wedding. You know, it was us. We stayed, saved up. Um, that's awesome. And, and so we kind of went into it like, oh, we've got this thing nicked. Like you crazy people who don't know how to do this. Like, um, but one of the things that we learned pretty early on was we have to be communicating, but we have to be very intentional. Um, and I think it's the same thing with, I'm learning that as a parent, um, there's so many things that I want my kids, you know, to know and to learn and everything else. Um, but but I have to be intentional, right? I can't leave it up to the school system or um, someone else or um, to be the one teaching them, right? Even when it comes to like learning about Jesus, right? Like I don't want um, the only place and time that they learn about Jesus to be Sunday morning with the youth minister, right? Like no, at home we're learning about Jesus. We're talking about who God is and what he means and all of that kind of thing. The same thing I think is true when we talk about race. Um, I can't rely on the school system because um, I'll tell you they don't do a good job mm-hmm. at all. Um, that's one of the things that I love about like the homeschool movement, right? Is that a lot of homeschoolers seem to be very oh, I didn't, that's right, yes. yes. Um, that that they're very intentional, especially Christian homeschool. They're very intentional. Like, yeah, we're gonna teach you about world history, but from a Christian point of view, right? We're gonna learn about these things, but we're gonna make sure that Jesus is in the middle of it. And I think. 
Um, the same thing is true about race, yeah. um, is, is being very intentional and saying, um, yeah, this might be extra work, but we're going to do it because it's important mm-hmm. um, to who I need you to be when you're out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Which is not, it happens yeah. faster than you think. It does it's happen faster than you think. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not just 18 years because you go on fast forward uh-huh. when they get to high school. Right. Um, so as a, as a mom of smaller kids, <laughs> I think I recognized fairly early on that they don't really get um, concepts mm-hmm. very well. Vague concepts. You think they do and you're saying everybody's equal, everybody's equal, everybody's equal. And then two years down the road, they're like, hey, mom, what does equal mean? You know, mm-hmm. what well, didn't we go over that? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So explicitness, I think, is mm-hmm. yep. key. And I've just because of my life experiences have never shied away from um, hurtful things, I guess, because the world is can be a harsh place. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the Holocaust, you know, we talked about the ugly, the world has some ugly in it, you're gonna find it, you will see it. So let's just talk about it in a safe place where I can tell you, well, here's how you might look at things. So um, explicitness, like instead of Jesus loves everyone, Mm -hmm. black skin is beautiful. Indian, you know, brown people are beautiful. Look at all the differences and, and point out specifically um, what you mean when you say equal or the same, because like you said, it's not that you want them to be blind to the color. It's mm-hmm. that you want them to appreciate the fullness and the yeah. beauty of the color, which are two different things. Absolutely. So I think some of that intentionality, I'm speaking to white moms, is that if you don't have black people in your life, you know, your kids don't go to, maybe they go to a private school where there really aren't very many, then you have to be really intentional about making sure. So, because kids are, they are very concrete, they're very literal. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, black people should be treated such and such, but they don't know any, you could say purple, you could say aliens, you could say, they don't know what you're talking about. But if you give them Jimmy here, who you love, who's your next door neighbor, and we have started a relationship with their family and we care about them, then it's like, oh my goodness, nobody should be mean to Jimmy. I love Jimmy, we play basketball together. You know, I mean like, then it becomes real to them. And so if you don't know anybody, I'm speaking to white moms mostly, like if you don't know anybody who looks different than you, then maybe it's time to just think through it a little bit and like how can we open that up a little bit Mm -hmm. for our family. So that makes me think, practically speaking, like in Indianapolis, that was a lot easier. Our neighborhood was really integrated. Mm -hmm. So our neighbors behind us who were black were our babysitters, the best friend across the street became my daughter's best friend. Um, The neighbor across the street became my daughter's best friend. So, um, but moving back to the South, it's so much more difficult. I just find myself looking around because we were doing this episode, so I had this these thoughts on my mind. I'm looking around in the places that I mm-hmm. shop and at my church and I'm like, everyone is white. Mm. Everyone is white. And so you're right. Like if you don't intentionally seek those out, mm-hmm. those relationships out, they're not going to happen because mm-hmm. it's not going to, you know, it's not going to happen in, in my Southern suburb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole neighborhood, I think we have one black family. Mm-hmm. So it's, it takes some time and we did homeschool. So we, it, what, there wasn't a school classroom to mm-hmm. go seek those relationships out. So it had to be like an art classes or, you know, at church, find a, you know, a friend at church or like a neighborhood friend, like we said. Now we did read some great books. <laughs> we read some great <laughs> books and there were some awesome field trips we were able to take in the Midwest because of the Underground Railroad stops mm-hmm. and things. It was so yeah. wonderful. Con- that's concrete. Very concrete. That's when, you concrete see, when you see a bed, you know, with, um, they don't have box springs. They had ropes, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they put the, the hay-filled mattress mm-hmm. on top of the ropes. And they shoved black people in there. Mm-hmm to hide them mm-hmm. for a long time, like all night long or maybe all the next day. That That is a concrete thing. Right. Your child can look and go, oh, wow, mm-hmm. uh, this, was, this was real people in this house making their way mm-hmm. to freedom. And it was really scary and really hard. That was a beautiful thing um, that we were able to do. Mm-hmm. But again, it is just hard. Um, depending on your geographic locations, we just need to be intentional, which is our mantra for all parenting. That's intentional. Right. Inten- be as intentional as you can. Right. This is a. Um, you're not is... always going to hit the mark, but you'll be closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one. So this past summer, um, that best friend of my son's, um, 
his his mom is actually the one who turned me on to the Who Was books. Um, and so she had found Who Was Dr. King um, in some random store. I think it was like Kroger or something. Um, and so she, he had read through it and she was like, hey, you know, your son Alex might like to read through this. And so they read through him and I was like, how cool would it be to go to Atlanta um, and see all of this, yes. of course. And we were in the midst of COVID. Um, so there's a lot that they didn't get to see, right? We couldn't go into his home. We couldn't go into King Center, but there was a lot that they did get to see. Um, and for them to be able to go, oh, that was the church, mm-hmm. right? Like, and to see the stained glass, to see a lot of the things. Um, and one of the things that, um, you're talking about the Underground Railroad, one of the things that those Who Was books, one of the reasons I love them, they don't sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, um, I mean, they're definitely like an elementary level, mm-hmm. um, but they don't, you know, kind of, oh, he was a nice guy and he talked about, you know, so, you know how some people talk about Jesus, right? Like, yeah. oh, he was a great guy and he helped bad, you know, people who didn't have and he lived this great life, right? Like, no, Jesus was way more than yeah. that, but um, they didn't sugarcoat things. And so for them, you know, Alex has even <laughs> made comments lately about, um, being scared, not scared for himself, but thinking through like, how scary would it be to live thinking somebody could bomb my house again? Mm. Um, and to be that child of um, somebody doing the things that Dr. King did. And so I was just thinking about that when you were talking about the Underground Railroad, you kind of, um, to think that you would stay overnight inside of a mattress or, you know, in a bitty, tiny bitty room, um, with dirt floors, you know, not seeing anything, you have to be running from something really, really severe. Like it has to be um, a massively um, important thing to put yourself through that kind of thing to get away from it, right? Um, and that's not lost, I think, on kids when they see things like that. Um, even even if you hear somebody sugarcoat it later, right? It's kind of like, well, no, I don't... Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Looking like that. Mm. Yeah. Think of a little worse than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we all have daughters too. And mm-hmm. I, it occurred to me as I was thinking about all this stuff that, you know, I did kind of, I worked really hard with my daughter mm. to make sure she knew, um, you know, girls can be doctors too. Mm-hmm. Girls can do anything boys can do um, to elevate that and give her that female, you know, Keep doing it. You can do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And you can be an engineer, right? Yeah. You can do. You can do STEM, STEM research, all the things. But um, I also had to. I also made her take a self defense class in in, Mm -hmm. as a junior in high school because she was about to go to college. I also know. I had to have the conversations. You don't take a drink from somebody else. You Mm -hmm. make. You know all those uh, conversations that you. You sure don't want your mind to go down as a parent of all the things that can happen to your daughter. Um, And you want her to be prepared for that kind of thing. But you're still having the conversations because that's more important. Mm -hmm. So how would you guys say that you, um, specifically with your black children, um, teach them about what they might encounter without, where's the balance between that and making them fearful Mm. of a world that could be hostile? Um... I have no earthly clue. (laughs) Um, It's definitely one thing that we, so my husband and I, um, Alex goes to um, an optional school, I guess is what, a magnet school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had to test him in and um, he is, I believe the only black kid in the whole of second grade. Um, And so it was very stark and obvious to us, you know, as the parents he um, he's very fair skinned, and so he actually told his dad once, um, you know, we color with the same crayon, Daddy. We're all the same, mm-hmm. and um, which kind of angered my dad, <laughs> my husband. I mean, um, mm-hmm. but but he he doesn't see it right, and so we sh- we struggle with. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you, yeah, but break that the whole exactly, um, and I'll be honest until probably last year we were very erring on the side of oh well we've got time, we've got time. Um, but seeing some of the things that we've seen of late, Mm -hmm. we kind of got to a point where we were like, no, we can't wait anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've been, we've tried to be way more intentional in saying, um, 
yes, there are differences, you know, and this is what this looks like. And you are going to get to a point right now, people still look at him. Oh, he's a cute little kid. Right. Um, that'll go away pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually he'll look taller and he'll have a deeper voice and he will be seen as a threat. Um, and so we haven't quite gotten to that part of it yet. Um, we've leaned really heavy on, um, the history, right? Like this is, um, this is how people have been treated who look like you. Um, no, God doesn't, isn't okay with it. No, it's not the right thing, but it's the truth of the matter. Um, and so trying to fill them up with as much, a friend of mine said it, she wants to fill her kids up with as much, um, amazing greatness about who they are Mm -hmm. that by the time people start trying to fill them with all of the negative, you know, Mm -hmm. stereotypes, um, they just don't have any room to take it in. Mm -hmm. They're, they're just so full of, um, amazing role models that they can't accept anything else Mm -hmm. about who they are. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely, you know, Brent and I both feel like both being white with a, with a black son, we feel like, you know, we're at a disadvantage because, because of our own life experiences, we can't, you know, we're educating ourselves as much as possible. But like, for instance, like, well, Ezra's in like a five foot 10 year old. So he's going to look like a man really soon. (laughs) He's going, he's, he's going to be a big guy. And, um, and I, and I think about that all the time at the beginning. Oh, he's so cute. And isn't that Mm -hmm. cute? And, but eventually people will see him as a threat. And I've thought about that, you know, like if he went to go visit a drove his car into the neighborhood of a predominantly, you know, across the street from our house. There's a pretty nice neighborhood where I'm pretty sure everybody there is probably, it's a pretty small one. I think everybody there is probably white. And if he were to go visit a friend there and then would someone call the cops on it? Like these are things we're going to, especially when he starts driving and because now he's almost always with me or Brent or Knox or he's at school. Like that's it. (laughs) He's not with, you know, but I mean, he's even noticed on his soccer team, he's, up until recently a new player just came on but he was like the only person not not only just black but like wasn't white like usually we play with hispanic players and stuff for some reason we didn't really have any so it's like he notices it and so you know for us once he gets to where he's driving i've already picked out a a few black male friends of ours that i'm going to make sure that they talk to him you know because we're going to try our best to prepare him all that we can but i'm also trying to be real come from a place of humility where I'm going to say, I don't really know, you know? And so I've got Ashley where I can call her and ask her questions too. And, and Marcus, her husband, I'm sure he would help me out too. Cause, cause I'm, you know, I, I'm, I think so much of about race and about going into all of this is like to go into it with so much humility to say, I do not understand what you're going through, but I want you to talk to me about it. And I may never really understand, but I care so much about you that I, I want you to tell me about it. And not just because of a black scent, but because I just care about you, you know? And so Ashley and I have been in this, uh, like a Bible study group where we talked about lots of things. And so when people in our group who didn't look like me would talk about stuff, I was like, tell me more, tell me more, because I just want to know. And it's not like, so I can use that information for anything other than just like, what that does to increase my empathy quotient, you know, I mean, just gets bigger and bigger and bigger if I can hear more of your story and it takes less of what I think is right or that's, you know, that can't be right, you know, because I know that's the thing. I hear people say this and I see it on Facebook until I stop looking on Facebook anymore. But (laughs) because I mean, like literally I just have commercials for like weight loss things because I've unfollowed so many people. It's just like, I don't want to do Zoom. That's all it says anymore. That's all it's left on there because I've unfollowed so many people. But like um, people say, people who look like me would want to, a lot of people want to say, I'm so sick of hearing about that. Like it's, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And it's just, until you walk in their shoes, you don't know what's a big deal, you know? And so, especially if you're a believer, we've got to come from the perspective of, like, my prayer has been here lately, I've been trying to pray, God, make me mad what you're mad about. Make me care about what you care about. And the rest of it, tell me to leave it alone. And so, I mean, my heart is so pricked about this because of Ezra, but be also because of Ashley, because I love her, you know, and, and anybody else. I just, I just want to walk into Kroger and see people who look like all different people. And I want to care about every one of them, which is exhausting, but I want to do it because I feel like this is what God is pricking my heart for. Um, Oh, so, so I love that. (laughs) 
<sighs> so I'm th- I'm sitting here thinking, um, I have friends who will remain unnamed, um, who I've talked to about this podcast we're doing, and who said, really, I just don't think it's that bad. Like, I don't think racism is really, like, we're done with that. We're, we're done. And what you're telling me, Abby, is that we're not done. So can you tell me anecdotally, Ashley, maybe in your own life or from friends, um, I know I, I spoke to um, a black man in his 40s, and he's like, listen, I've walked into a restaurant and refused to be seated. This is like in the recently, in, yeah, recently sure. right. like just like in the last couple of years. I've walked into a car dealership and no one um, came up to see what I was interested in looking at. Mm-hmm. I just turned around and left. And I was like, in 2020? Mm-hmm. So we were, again, the problem is a lot of us are insulated. Mm-hmm. And we, we look around at our white friends and we're like, yeah, none of us are racist. We all think black people are made in the image of God. Done, done, wipe your hands a bit and go on. So can you give us some anecdotal for those people who are thinking, mm, this is, I don't need to talk to my kids. It's not really that bad. What's, What's happening? Um, I think, so, so the easy way to Google, right? Because that's what everybody does. <laughs> um, if you start looking at, um, I mean, take anything, um, poverty, um, homelessness, um, education, um, almost always black, Hispanic, and Native American people are going to be either, if it's a negative stereotype, they're going to be, the vast majority, mm-hmm. or if it's a good thing, they're going to be way down at the bottom, right? Um, so I think you talked about me being an engineer. Um, when I started work, there were quite a few times that I would walk into a room mm-hmm. of primarily old white men. Yeah. Um, sometimes there'd be a woman. Um, and we will have been communicating over email and sometimes the phone. Um, but they would kind of do one of these, oh, it's nice to meet you. And they wouldn't even hear me when I'm saying, I'm Ashley, the, the person you've been talking to. Okay. And so they'd go, oh, when is Ashley coming? And they'd be holding my hand and looking around, mm-hmm. right? Um, Sorry, I'm all you got. <laughs> <laughs> like, just little of me. Um, wow. And that was, I mean, that was very common to walk into um, customer shops. And that's what they would say is... Um, you know, when does the, the expert get here? When does, um, I'm sure you've got some, and a lot of times they try to roll it off with, oh, you're just so young, right? Which I was fresh out of college, but, um, a lot of times you kind of knew better. Mm -hmm. Um, there have been times I have a friend who, um, if you, if you knew him, um, it still just seems, it still kind of flabbergasts me every time he's pulled over the cop walks up with either the gun drawn or at least at the very least his fingers on the trigger. Um, and he's just not, he, he doesn't have a record. Like he doesn't, you know what I mean? He's, he's not that guy. Um, there are things that, that, so my husband works in Tullahoma. Um, I don't know how much I'm supposed to not tell. So (laughs) I didn't ask him, (laughs) but he works in Tullahoma, um, which I don't know if anyone knows it's very, very white. Um, he, there's some kind of like corner store or something like, like at their facility at work. Um, and so he goes in, you know, they'll get, you know, the, the company will go in, you know, they'll get, you know, candy bars and Cokes or whatever. Um, and so he'll walk in with, with, um, coworkers and, you know, the guy will be like, you guys want a receipt, you know, just like you do at a gas station. Um, and most people no, I'm good. I don't need a, a receipt for a Snickers bar. You know, no, I don't need a bag. And my husband's like, oh, no, we'll take one. Oh, no, we want a receipt. And they'll ask, like, what on earth? What do you need a receipt for? He said, I have no other proof that I paid for this. Oh, wow. Um, and that was, that was last year. Um, but that's, those are the kinds of things. You know, I have a nephew who, sadly, is still, um, he is, oh, goodness, I think he's like 16. <laughs> I try not to think of how old he is. Um, but that was when it, he came up and stayed with us um, one summer. Um, before we had kids and we went to a gas station he and I we got slushies and something else and I let him pay the guy um, and so when the guy said do you guys want a receipt he was like no said, yes we do and so we get to the car and he was like what do you want that for and so I went through the whole thing like you will one day be a young black man and right now you're adorable mm-hmm. 
I still think he's adorable, even though his voice is way deep <laughs> and it's just wrong. Um, but he, you will one day be viewed as a threat and you need to know the ways that you protect yourself. Um, and unfortunately when it comes to race, quite often self-defense type stuff is yeah. the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in the form of a receipt, right? Cause you don't get a receipt with a timestamp if you didn't pay for it. Um, But even that sometimes is not enough. Um, But I think a lot of it is um, kind of not the walking. You can't see me. I'm hunching. Not walking around with like the hunch of the weight of um, what everyone thinks you are. But rather being able to kind of stand, like I was saying, in the shoes of those people that you know have done amazing things. Look like you. Um, and even some of them at times that were way worse than you're in. Um, and so walking with Jesus at that same time um, kind of helps them, you know, stand stronger. But, I mean, there's a lot. There's, the list goes on. It's one of the books that I gave Ezra for his birthday was a book of African royalty. Because mm-hmm. you know, he is literally from Africa, but so many people yeah. here could also trace it back to unfortunately because of slavery but like when you were talking about the way you and I was just thinking like stand like you're a king like stand yeah. like you're you know you were on the shoulders of this these amazing you know royalty from Ethiopia and Egypt and all these you know like let's read these stories because we read the stories of more mm-hmm. recent history you know obviously Dr. King and you know all these amazing people George Washington Carver all these great stories yeah. but also know that this is not this is not new. This is, you know, you have this amazing history that goes back to the beginning of time. And also, let me tell you about what Jesus probably looked like. Yeah. And also, let me tell you about, you know, I mean, like, because you want them to, I don't want him to be afraid. I mean, I'm, when you're talking, I was doing that. I was thinking about that and being scared for him because I can't help but be scared for him. But just like with our daughters, just I can't live my life being afraid that they're both off at college and I'm not there with them to, you know, punch in the throat of whoever's going to yes. mess with them. I mean, at some point I also have to, I'm like, I'm glad I'm, I'm saying this, but you're going to have to tell me later on and go, Abby, you do need to let him drive a car by himself. So you're going to have to like, walk, you know, talk me off the ledge eventually, but I want them to help him to feel mm-hmm. proud of who he is. So, yeah. So I think that, um, I would like to hear some of the books that you've read with your children, um, that maybe all, all of us moms would all be benefit from, yeah. Uh, reading with our own children. I actually have three that I pulled from our homeschool shelf as well, um, but I'll say at the end. Yeah, well, I brought a few. And so one is called I'm, I Am Every Good Thing, and it's written by two dads who are, are black dads who have sons, and it's what they wanted their kids to to think about about themselves. And like there's one part, there's a picture of some um, kids that are swimming in a swimming pool. And so they on purpose pick things that are like People have not allowed black people to swim in, in a public swimming pool. But look how they are. They're having fun. And the, the words in it are all about you're strong, you're powerful, you're smart. You're, it's just really affirming. And then there's another book that's similar to that. It's called Skin Like Mine. And it is a great book for, for kids who look all different ways because it's like, you know, you look like your skin is like this kind of color and your skin is like this kind of color. It's just beautiful too, but especially for a younger kid, skin like mine. There's a book called Race Cars. And this one is, I mean, this is great for an adult because it talks about a a black car and a white car and it, you know, it's an, you know, metaphor, but still it talks about like, um, privilege. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's one of those buzzwords that a lot of white people don't like to talk about that they have privilege, but we do. We do. And so this is a great one to read um, for everybody. And then the other ones that I brought, Little Leaders and Little Legends, and this is by Vashti Harrison. And um, the pictures are just adorable. But each one, and we're going to do this for Black History Month every day. We're going to, while we're eating breakfast, we're just going to read, you know, one. And these are people, some of them I've heard of, like Langston Hughes and stuff. But then some of them are like Charles R. Drew, who was this, see, I never even heard about him (laughs) until I read it. So I just, but it, it, and so there's, one book about men in history and one book about um, black women in black history um, that so he can say, well, you know, I don't want to be a surgeon. Well, what about here? This one's about a basketball player. You love basketball. Well, what about a rock? You know, here's Prince. <laughs> that picture of him. Isn't it cute? Isn't that cute? It just shows us that, that I want to show them him that he can do all kinds of different things, you know? And, and like the other day he asked me, this was a hard question. He, we were watching a football game on TV and he said, mom, why are most football players black? 
And I was like, I can give him the easy, I can give him the answer that the world would tell him, which is, um, black people are good at sports, but I, there's so much, I mean, that's just, it's this very nuanced question. Like there's so much go, you know? And so in my head, I'm having this whole conversation and in the time while I'm talking to myself, he probably like left the room and I've totally missed the opportunity. I think we eventually talked about it, but to be like, well, some people think that this is what black men are good at and this is where they want to put them. But really black men can do all these other things. And then I can go back to these stories that I've educated myself on so I can have examples, you know, because um, I don't want him to feel like he is, he's got this one, this is all you can do to be safe. I want him to feel like, hey, what do you want to be, astronaut? Okay, the only thing he can't be is president because he wasn't born here, but <laughs> everything else, I'm, that's, I tell him that everything, anything else, I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. You can still, I don't really want him to be a politician, but he can be whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, whatever it is, you know, right now it's a professional soccer player. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that or whatever. But, um, I just want him to feel like the world is open to him. And, and there's some naivety to that, that I say that, but I also want him to feel like he can dream big. Right. All moms want that. Yeah, for sure. We do. For all of our kids. I was thinking about, weirdly unrelated maybe, but Sandy Hook. Oh, do you remember that? Yes. It just yeah. crushed me. And the teachers in there, they were all their kids. You know, they oh, would do yeah. anything for any kid in that classroom. And that's what I feel like I want us all to be as moms, is just to do anything for anybody else's kid. Absolutely. Because when one succeeds, we all succeed. Yes. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's the same thing with being like this school versus this school. I mean, like, with our public schools, we want them all to be good. We want everybody to be good because then we are better as a country. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah. That Little Legends book, since you can't see it, we're on a podcast. It looks like pure gold. To me. So <laughs> it is, um, it's a one page opening with a beautiful illustration and then very doable over breakfast. Like I, yes. um, Hattie said, yeah. you could read that aloud to your children. I've got a granddaughter coming in June. Those are going in my Amazon <laughs> yes, cart. Like so those cute. look amazing. Um, what we also read, uh, my children, we read the story of Harriet Tubman, Freedom Train by Dorothy Sterling. Um, we also, like I said earlier, were able to visit some of those um, places. We also read Bud Not Buddy, which a lot of times to me, um, history, well, not a lot of times, almost always history set to living like fiction mm-hmm. uh, or nonfiction Um is really powerful because mm-hmm. the story like kind of gets down into your heart and your soul mm-hmm. and you start to remember the principles. So um, it's a little boy from Flint, Michigan, and they um, make their way. He makes his way um, down to Birmingham. So my kids did that one in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one is a little bit more dry, but it is what kind of what you were saying um, earlier, a glorious age in Africa um, it talks about three great African empires, which was also just really, really good. And then we had other, um, we did that for a lot of cultures, not just black culture. We mm-hmm. did um, Eskimos, American Indians, South American Indians, um, Asians. We even, we learned like all kinds of cool scientific stuff. Like Asians have different earwax than Caucasians <laughs> because they live in a really cold climate. So their earwax is powdery and ours is not. It's goofy. I'm like, okay, we're not all the same. You know, we're not all the same. We're fine-tuned. By God, um, in bodies, you know, we're embodied humans, mm-hmm. and we're male and we're female, and we're different races. And I, I really truly believe we're going to keep that in the new creation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to see you, and you're going to be a black woman in the new creation. I'm going to be a white woman, and it, it really is a kind of an eternal part of who we are. So it's so important, so important mm-hmm. to talk with this, talk to your kids um, about this. Mm-hmm. We've just scratched the surface. We have. I, I feel like we could do about, oh, 50 more hours. Well, probably. <laughs> 50-hour episode. Um, Ashley, what, did, what books I, would you recommend? Yeah, I've got, um, they're actually a series um, called Who Were or Who Was, right? So the one I've, I've got right now, the only one we could find this morning, um, it was the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, but they've got um, Who Was Dr. King, Who Was um, Harriet Tubman, um, there's actually just recently saw, um, Amelia Earhart. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, those big names that we know in history. Um, but the thing that I love about the way that they write about it is it's very accessible. Um, my son's second grade, um, and he and his buddy, that's, this is the, actually the series that they read before we went to Atlanta. 
um, the who was on Dr. King, um, but they don't sugarcoat. They don't um, kind of gloss over things. They're very, you know, pointed. Um, and so I just think that they're really well, really well done. Um, Which will make for a lot of, like for my daughter, that made for a lot of tears. Mm-hmm. When we read books like this, there was a lot mm-hmm. of crying. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would not shy away from that. Like, yeah, I, I think right. that... Um, to me, it's um, like inoculating your kids mm-hmm. um, little by little mm-hmm. uh, um, with the truth. Mm-hmm. Racial reconciliation in general should make us feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, so if you feel uncomfortable reading them, that's probably a good sign. Yes. And, you and know? So I'm just thinking like a mom might hear this podcast or this book and their kid's like, oh, I'm really upset. Well, okay, so we're going to talk through that. But like yeah. you said, we're not going to not read it because it's hard mm-hmm. or because it um, makes us sad. Right. We're not going to shush. Yeah. Like that's not something. And you want your kids to keep coming to you for that, you know, because I mean, the, some of the conversations we have, we talk about with all my kids, some of the most mundane things, you know, to the most, absolutely most important. And so you want them to keep coming to you for information. So to check, you know, like I heard this at school, is this right? Check, you know, check with mom. Yes. Just ask. Ask ask Way to plug it. The last one, um, this is actually written by um, my grandmother's grandfather. Um, oh, my goodness. He, it's called Freeborn Slave. Um, it's actually, you know, the, so we, the family, have been looking for um, some more copies of these, and um, they're kind of hard to find. Um, but if you can find one, I know there's, like, some, some book collector people that have um, a couple of them. We have quite a few, but um, it's called Freeborn Slave, and it's um, really quick read. I think I read it in a couple days recently with my son, um, but it is literally his diary. Wow. Um, he was born um, right at right around emancipation time, um, and so he was technically born a slave. He actually says, um, "I was born a slave, but I never did no slaving." Um, and so his his view on a lot of things is just insane, right? And um, he founded a couple schools. He uh, was a furniture maker, which my mama and I do now, um, which is kind of a cool little connection thing. Um, but so yeah, and and so not specifically this, but though I will plug it. Um, but just in general, like slave narratives um, are a really good place to be um, because you get to see kind of where their mind was, right? Like it's easy for us to kind of, you know, 100 years plus removed kind of say things like, oh, well, this is what they thought. This mm-hmm. is what they meant. But um, to actually read their words and understand what they're saying they think, mm-hmm. um, I think is a big deal. And so this is one, obviously we cherish, but mm-hmm. um, that was a good a good one. That's gold. Yeah. Golden. I'm thinking we need to get that Get that sucker out there. Yeah. I remember talking to my granddad, who was born in, I think, 1909, maybe 1911. Uh, He lived till he was 94. But uh, so he saw a lot. Um, He was raised in Lebanon, Tennessee. And he says he remembers as a little boy. I can can tell you this story because, like, personal testimonies are powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, that stuck with me more than, like, the textbook information. Mm -hmm on black people in the South. He said when he was a little boy, he remembers sitting in church. So this would have been early 19, the teens, 19 teens, 1920s. And all the black people were sitting on the back rows. Mm. And uh, I was shocked by that when he told me that. Uh, He probably told me that in the 80s. And he said, even as a five-year-old, I knew something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like he couldn't put words to it. He was like, something's wrong. I think that if you can find people, like Houston had to go interview a World War II veteran, so we had to go to the nursing home and find someone. That is that World War II story that he heard from that veteran is going to stick with him more than any mm-hmm. anything I tried to make him memorize and spit back out on a test. Mm-hmm. So I just think, what a gift that book is. Mm-hmm. If you can find older people who have mm-hmm. experienced life, because it's going to be harder and harder. Yeah, like you know, they're dying. Mm-hmm. People who saw firsthand some of these things. Mm. It would be so powerful. It would be such a gift to your child. I think it's also powerful if there's someone listening who thinks, I, didn't, I wasn't raised by parents or grandparents who 
talked about race in the godly way. Like if I was, I, and, and maybe like I was, I remember all these really racist things I did. And, you know, your, your story is still powerful because think of what it means when you tell your kid, I messed up and I did wrong. They'll remember that forever, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, and yeah. because, because they see you humble yourself in a way. So like if you have stories that you are maybe ashamed of, you can tell your kids, I used to do this and this when I was in high school and I regret that with all my heart. That's powerful too. That's a powerful like anti-testimony, yeah. you know? Right. And so don't, don't think if you're listening to this and, and you don't feel as woke as you'd like to be <laughs> when you were growing up or you've just come to this new understanding, that's okay. I mean, it is, we are constantly given so much grace and mercy so we can say, I messed up. Like we're supposed to do that every time we pray and talk to God. We're supposed to confess to him every time. So it's okay if you messed up and you want to do better and you want your kids to do so much better. Exactly. That's okay. That's you know, cool. I mean, my Angelou, what's her thing? When you know better, you do you better. You do better. Right? Absolutely. And you don't know what you don't know. So um, I think it's, we should listen above us to those kind of stories in the past and below us to our kids. Um, because hopefully they're starting on a new, newer path. I mean, each, each generation, right, we're building hopefully a better house on top of the other one. And um, out of the mouths of babes, they can, they can share some truths with the parents maybe, mm-hmm. you know. Well, hey, I've got this friend, like you said. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that is there nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, like teaching, a, teaching an old <laughs> computer skills to my, my dad, you know. So, so, yeah, so we appreciate so much the time that you spent with us ladies. It's been such a, an awesome, a blessing. Really a gift. Moving. I think you're going to really bless a lot of moms um, and maybe give us several different things to take away from this podcast that we can do to do better Yeah, uh, moving forward. So um, if you like what you're hearing, please go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and give us a five-star rating. You can find us, where, Bonnie? On uh, justaskyourmom.com website or on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom. Also, we're on Instagram, Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. So we will see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.